the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that there is no sense in really planning your life. And you just kind of have to live your life. And you know, you look back and you'll always think, oh man, what if I had done this or that? But when you're in it day to day, you're just trying to get through the day. I always think, are you happy with your life? And if the answer is yes, then you're on the right path. If the answer is no, you need to change your, the path you're on. And so when I, when I think about this unconventional life I lead, am I happy with my life? Yeah, I'm happy. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. I am so excited to speak to this week's guest, Matthew, who runs the award-winning budget travel site, Nomadic Matt. He's also the author of the New York Times bestseller, How to Travel the World on $50 a Day. His writings and advice have been featured in the New York Times, CNN, The Guardian UK, Lifehacker, Budget Travel, BBC, Time, and Yahoo. He also regularly speaks at travel, trade, and consumer shows, owns a hostel in Texas, and launched a nonprofit called Flight, which empowers students from undeserved communities through transportation Formative travel experiences. Listen on to find out how Matt has created a travel empire that helps others become more adventurous. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited for our guest. I'm here with Matt, Nomadic Matt. Hey, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing well. So Matt, many, many people in the travel industry know you already. You're kind of the OG of the whole travel blogging sector. So can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life for the very little amount of people that actually don't know who you are? (laughs) Well, I'm sure there are plenty of people who don't know who I am. Yeah, it's a big, big world. I... I'm Matt, and I run a travel website called Nomadic Matt that teaches people to travel the world on a budget. Um, I've been doing this for about 11 years. I started in 2008. After I'd come back from 18 months around the world, being a backpacker, came home and decided that I didn't like coming home and I wanted to stay a backpacker. So I did what any sane person would do. I booked a one-way flight back to Europe, went to Europe, uh, went back to Asia, taught English there, and then really grew my website while I was making money teaching English until I could make enough money to travel on with my website. And then I just sort of stayed a nomad. So there was a lot of things happening in your life. And I know you were working at a corporate job. You're also going to school back then. And you had a lot of things happening. When you finally realized and you were doing all of these traveling in Asia, when you were finally realizing that you wanted to be location independent, what were the first steps that you actually took to get to the point that you can do that? Well, I I never really wanted to be quote unquote location independent. Uh, my first trip around the world, you know, came at like a, a little bit of break in my life. I had left a job I didn't like, finished an MBA and thought, well, before I come back and settle down and live, you know, the, the nine to five, I should go travel, get this bug out of my system. And I never really got it out of my system. I uh, just kept <laughs> traveling. And 
you know, I, the website was, I really just wanted it to be sort of an online resume where pe people could find my work. You know, I would post like my bylines and such, you know, my news clippings, any quotes I had as a way for editors to just really hire me. The original goal was simply to make just enough money to keep me traveling. There's no grand ideas or anything more than that. It was just, how can I travel longer? Because corporate kind of stinks. <laughs> and so, so it became an accidental traveler in the sense that I just happened into this. And I just sort of became sort of an accidental travel writer slash blogger, entrepreneur. I just kind of, you know, kept doing it. And one day, five years later, you're like, oh, well, here we are. You know, I'm making money from this. Uh, people are calling me for interviews. I'm writing a book. And I guess, I guess it's my job now. <laughs> and when you're looking at your life, I mean, from the moment that you actually stepped a foot in a different country, because you are talking about all of these years of not traveling. And I read on your bio that you actually just started traveling when you were 23. And then to do it full time, what is that feeling like knowing that all of the life you thought you were going to be living is completely put aside? And now there's this unknown future that you are walking into and it's so different from what you may have thought and even your family and friends <laughs> i i don't know you know i think life is what happens while you're planning your life i mean we all have these grand ideas uh of like this master plan that we're going to do we're going to live and and you know you wake up 20 years later and you find yourself completely you know, at, in a different spot. And so I think that the older I've gotten, the more I've realized that, you know, there is no sense in really planning your life. You just kind of have to live your life. And, you know, you look back and you'll always think, oh, man, what if I had done this or that? But when you're in it day to day, you're just trying to get through the day, right? And so I always think, are you happy with your life? And if the answer is yes, then you're on the right path. If the answer is no, you need to change your, the path you're on. And so when I, when I think about this unconventional life I lead, you know, am I happy with my life? Yeah, I'm happy. Would I have been happy in a different life? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Somewhere in the multiverse, there is a different me living out my nine to five world. But in this, in this verse, I'm happy where I am. <laughs> so having your life now, it's a dream job and a dream career for a lot of people. And there's a lot of misconceptions, I'm sure, of how you are living your life or what it's like to have this business that you have. What has been the biggest misconceptions that people have of you and your career and your business? You know, I think the grass is always greener on the other side. So everyone's... You know, what do you do for work? I'm a travel writer. Oh my God, that must be amazing. So you get paid to travel places? Yeah. Oh my God, it's the dream job. And you're like, yeah, but it's, it's a job, you know? I mean, when I go, I don't really like traveling with a lot of people to a new destination because I'm thinking of, okay, I have to go see like 20 museums. I want to get through them really quickly. You know, you pick up cues and clues as to what, to look for is like what makes a good museum. I mean, you you kind of like want to go check out prices and sort of wander around and, you know, it's still work. 
right? I mean, it's a dream job until you realize like, yeah, but like I still answer email all day. You know, I'm flying all the time. I never sleep in one place. I have no routine. You know, so it's not all like drinking wine and, you know, in a three hour lunch in Paris. It's, you know, it's, it's like any job. And I think people always think it's just a constant adventure, but nobody is like thinking about the hours I spend agonizing over an article in the Starbucks or trying to find Wi-Fi. And you talk a lot about having a routine and not having that at all, especially when you're traveling. How do you keep up with everything? Because you have this massive brand that you've built and you're constantly traveling. How do you do this successfully, even though you're on the road all the time? When it was just my blog, it was easier to do. I I just had me and maybe like a part-time assistant. Now I have a team of five because I like to create new projects. So uh, we're always doing something new and that requires more humans. But I don't travel as much as I used to in part because I just have a lot to do. And so I think that when you're trying to do this, it's really important to really separate travel and work, right? Like you can't travel and work at the same time. You know, if you're going somewhere new, you can go somewhere new to sit in a coffee shop updating your blog. So I, I build in extra time. So if I'm going somewhere new, let's say I went to Columbia. I went for six weeks in part because I spent two of those weeks, you know, working. So I was really only traveling for a month, you know. Of course, those two weeks were dispersed between those six weeks. But, you know, there'd be days where I would just like cash in points, lock myself in my Marriott and just catch up on work. You know, like I never left the hotel because I had to work. And so I was building extra time and trying to get as much done so that when I am traveling, I'm as present as possible. They're not worried about, you know, oh my God, we have to like update these sales pages or publish these posts. All that's all been set up. All I do is sort of tweet and check in on email. Everything else can wait. And so you really have to separate the two. And I think that's a lot of what people's misconceptions are is because they see your life and a lot of bloggers and travel writers life on social media and on your blog and they see all the pictures and they think that that's the only thing that you're doing is enjoying yourself all the time and they don't see all the struggle that you're having with trying to balance all of it in order to create content for your audience which is really tough to do when you're traveling full time yeah i mean it's a job. Now, having gone through all of these different things in your life and now you're here, you have this massive brand. What has been the biggest setback that you have faced and how do you usually handle them? Anyone who's successful has tons of failures, you know, because nothing ever works the way you think it is. One thing off the top of my head is we made an app a few years ago. We did a big Kickstarter, raised a bunch of money. And I lost money on the app. Why? Because we gave shirts away. And I didn't really factor in the shipping cost of shirts. And that like ate into like lots of money. And then you're like, the cost to update an app is a lot. You release a version and everyone's like, well, you should need to do this and that and that. And then you suddenly have to hire another developer. So we eventually just stopped updating the app because you never really built it to the way we wanted with the revenue we had. But one thing people liked were t-shirts. <laughs> so we were like, well, okay, we'll order a bunch of t-shirts and people will buy them and you know, we'll make a couple of bucks off a shirt. It's print on demand, no sweat. So we bought this whole inventory just to stock it up and 
I think we finally got rid of, we just gave them all away last year. Like we just had hundreds of shirts and we had totally miscalculated. We eventually sold enough to break even and then we, I just gave the rest of the shirts away. <laughs> Two failures right there. I could say like, man, we lost a bunch of money on this. We lost a bunch of money on that. Let's never do that again. You know, you, you learn. I mean, we've put a ton of money into guidebooks that didn't succeed as like we thought and we ha- constantly have to shift. You live and you learn. And so I don't view failure as a bad thing. It's disheartening when you're, you're very excited about the project and it completely bombs. But, you know, we're running a business here and we have to try new and exciting ways to increase revenue as well as meet our customer demands. So, you know, the market is always changing. Things are always changing and just got to keep up with it. I mean, I got to keep doing like Instagram and video and I hate all those things. <laughs> but for people like these days. Well, it's also a learning experience. Like you said, you learned that people like t-shirts from the app. So it's not always a failure if you're learning from it and you make yourself better from all of those setbacks, even though it may not feel like that at the moment. It may feel like the end of the world sometimes because you lose a lot of money from it or a lot of time and so much stress from all of that. Yeah, it never really bugs me. It's just hard, but... I, we just move, we move on quickly. We're like, all right, that didn't work. Let's try something else. Yeah, especially if you're in a business, if you're an entrepreneur, you're going to be facing these setbacks. If you can't handle them, then you may not or most likely will not be able to stay in it for a long time because there's going to be a lot of these setbacks that are going to come your way. You're right. That's how things go. So Matt, you talked about social media, doing videos and Instagram. And since you've started your company and your website, there's been a lot of changes happening. And looking at the current travel community right now, the blogging community, what has been the most cringe-worthy things that you've seen so far? <laughs> Where do I begin? <laughs> I, I hate the term influencer. I, I think if you have influence, you don't call yourself an influencer. You know, I think that's a stupid term made up by people who don't actually have a goal. You know, what am I? I'm a writer. What do you do? You make podcasts. You're a podcaster. You know, you know my doctor doesn't call himself a medical influencer. You know, <laughs> Stephen King doesn't call himself a writing influencer. He's a writer. So I just hate the term and because people are like, well, I'm an influencer. They are just really self-promoting marketers. And that tends to create content that's me focused, which is all about what you're doing and how cool you are and the life you're leading, the partnership you're doing. Uh, and that's sort of a, just a voyeurism that eventually people will move along because nobody really cares about your life. They're living their own life. They have their own stuff to deal with. So Nobody wants to see how awesome your life is 24-7, 365. I mean, humans are naturally voyeuristic. That's why we have like this weird fetish with celebrities and, you know, the English royals. You know, people buy People magazine. But, you know, you look at that like once a week. You know, nobody wants to look at it all the time. So I think there's this trend right now to create content that is all about you. And people who create content that's all about you eventually 
Nobody cares about you. Yeah. You're not that important to, to other people. They have their own <laughs> stuff to deal with. Yeah. I mean, as much as we all think that we're the center of the world, we're not. And everyone thinks that about themselves. And it's definitely not a long-term plan for a business or a career. Because like you said, no one's going to be really interested in you for that long. It's definitely less than 15 minutes of fame for sure. <laughs> You're right. I mean, you remember the stuff uh, white people like? No, I don't. It was a funny site back in 2008 called Stuff White People Like. And it basically just made fun of like hipster, yuppie white people. Really uh-huh. funny. It'd be like stuff white people like. Starbucks, <laughs> Apple computers, you know, saying how much they love nature. And then they had one like stuff black people like, stuff Asian people like, stuff Jewish people like, stuff women like. I mean, they had all these crazy options, you know. It was sort of like a thing in 2008. I made a book out of it. You know, where is it now? Nowhere. Why? Because it was like a funny thing for a moment in time. And then people moved on. Right? My dad says. <laughs> um, you know, these, these were things that people liked. They're like TV shows. Like you like it and then the world moves on. You know, the people who have lasted 10, 15 years provide interesting content, but also value to the reader, you know, something that makes their life better. And so uh, stuff white people like was last updated in 2010. So it's a long time ago. Yeah. And I, I don't even know it. So that just tells you most people probably haven't been <laughs> in the know f- with that type of um, community for a long time. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think that you got to provide value and not just be about you. Yeah. And you know, too, it's really hard to do that in this time now because there's so many things on social media, especially that just shows you these people's lives are so perfect and you want to start doing it too. And the thing is, it's harder to actually create content that is really meaningful. And I think that's why a lot of people shy away from it is because once they actually realize how much work it takes to give value they don't move on with it, you know, and that's why someone like you, Matt, has created such a huge brand for yourself in this empire, in this business, because you continuously give value to other people. And it's not just about you. You help everyone with your website, with your writing and the products that you have created. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we're a consumer website. You know, it's we're here to help people to travel on the budget. So we, everything we do is about, you know, getting people to travel more for less. You have been all over the world. I'm sure you've talked to a ton of different people because you have your own conference and everyone wants to talk to you. And I'm sure you have gotten a lot of advice from everyone, even now that you are really successful. What has been the worst advice that you have ever received? In life or business? It could be either. The worst advice I've ever received in business. You know, honestly, I don't know. It was probably so bad I forgot about it. <laughs> I think of anything, it would probably be the idea that you have to be on everywhere on, you know, always be posting and be on every social media platform and all that stuff. I uh, don't do any of that. And I've done just fine. So I think this idea that you always have to be on is a little bit BS. 
you know, there's idea among bloggers like, oh, you got to always be posting and doing stuff. Again, people have their own lives. They don't care that if you're going to take a week off to do something. People aren't as voyeuristic as people believe the internet is. And so we I, I even have Snapchat. And the last time I made a YouTube video was like seven years ago. And of course, yeah, I know how things, you know, people want to do video now. But at the end of the day, people still Google questions. And that's where we're coming from. And you have your niche, you have your platform. And if you're doing that really well, people will keep coming back. So like, you know, you're right. You don't have to be everything and everyone for, you know, for everyone, I guess. And you're doing it well. You're doing fine. You're making money from it, which is great. (laughs) Now, how were you able to create income from the start? And how do you continue to create income today? I mean, back in the beginning, uh, you know, I didn't really make any money for my blog for a year. But back then, you sold text links and content and you did affiliates. Uh, That was really it. And you ran ads. You know, Google wasn't as sophisticated as it is today. So companies would buy links on a bunch of websites so they can rank higher. Uh, And that's how most bloggers made a lot of their money. There'd be a sidebar full of just random links. And then I started writing ebooks. And then those started to make more money. Google changed their algorithm. I stopped selling text links. I wrote more ebooks. I got more deeper into SEO and affiliate marketing. And I just started to make money that way books and affiliates. And then we created our courses. So that was like sort of the next thing. And then I wrote a traditionally published book. And so I had royalties coming in from that. But most of our revenue is courses, affiliates, ebooks, mm-hmm. you know, as the company as a whole. Now we also have TravelCon, so that is another revenue stream. We used to run tours. I used to do tours, so that was a revenue stream for a while, but then I uh, decided I really like doing tours, so we stopped doing tours. It's great that you were able to create income from so many different streams, and you didn't just put yourself in one box. You tested out all of these different things, and you found out what worked for you, so that's really great. And we're also going to talk about how to create and market your digital products for our extended interview. So make sure you all listen to that because I'm really excited to talk to Matt about it because he is such a great marketer and you've created so many digital products already that have done really well. So Matt, let's fast forward to 30 to 40 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? Well, I... Hope I'm still alive in 30 to 40 years so people aren't mourning me and remembering my past. So let's fast forward 60 years. That'll be 100. I think that's a bunch of innings. So, you know, I don't know. Helping people travel more and making the world a slightly better place by showing people that the world beyond their borders isn't so scary. That is a really good legacy to leave. And you are already creating so many different legacies, even right now, and you're still so young. So that's going to be exciting to see what the next 50 years is going to do, what's going to unfold. Yeah. I mean, I'm not so, so young. I'm going to be 40 (laughs) pretty soon. But, you know, I mean, if this was 100 years ago, I'd be... I'd have 10 years left to live. So, <laughs> Well, thank God it's not 100 or 200 years ago, right? You're healthy. <laughs> as far as I know. Oh. Not going to work. Oh, my gosh. No, don't, don't say that. <laughs> so, Matt, is there any question that you wish people asked you more of? Anything that's not travel related would be awesome. <laughs> 
I have many tastes, many tastes. Do you have, uh, obviously, besides travel, what are your hobbies? I like to cook, work out, hike. Go to the, I watch a lot of movies. I read. Uh, politics is like my second passion. Well, that's, that keeps me busy. <laughs> and it's also probably keeping you sane because you're always so busy and that will get you going aside from just work and travel and all of that stuff that I'm sure you are bombarded with every day. Mm-hmm, for sure. So what are you currently working on that is really exciting to you? Well, I have a new book coming out. It's called 10 Years a Nomad, A Traveler's Journey Home. And it is about my 10 years backpacking around the world. It contains stories and lessons and advice from the road. Talks about how I change, how people change as travelers, the longer they go, why people go. Where my other books are sort of like the how of travel. Here's how to do this. Here's how to save money. This is more of a, the why and, you know, like the what, you know, here's why things happen. And here's, well, here's why people go and what happens and what you can learn from that. So it's just more philosophy and stories from the road which is a lot different than what I normally write, which is like practical guides and how-to stuff. Well, that's really exciting. I can't wait to read that once it comes out, and we'll definitely put a link on it on our website. Yeah, it comes out July 16th, 2019. Perfect. If our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? I am well-branded everywhere on the internet as Nomadic Matt. So my website is nomadicmat.com. As you type in Nomadic Matt to the end of every social media network, but Snapchat, I don't even think Snapchat has a website, but everyone else. Perfect. Thank you so much, Matt, for joining us today. I really appreciate all of the insights that you gave us. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Matt. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview with Matt where he shares how to create and market the right digital products for your audience. Hey, Offbeat family, I really appreciate you listening to this episode. I would love to hear more from you and what you think of the podcast. Suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, or maybe you just want to be friends. Why don't we chat some more on Facebook at The OB Life or send me a message at hello at theoffbeatlife.com. I can't wait to hear from you.